Jesse Douglas Smith McGraw, and this is What Moves You with Jesse. I'm a transformative coach on a mission to share an understanding of how our minds work that challenges how we react to life and our thoughts. I love to share stories and common sense ideas that empower you to take charge of yourself in a way that brings immediate and profound change. What I know to be true is that we are all innately healthy and doing our best with the thinking we have available to us on a moment-to-moment basis. And waking up to this will change what moves you. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to What Moves You with Jesse. Today, we have a dear, dear friend of mine, the manager extraordinaire, aka Mama Shark, to all of her clients, (laughs) Miss Aida Bernal. Pause for applause. It is so nice to have you on, Aida. Thank you so much for joining me in the conversation. Oh my gosh, Jess, are you kidding? We've been like threatening to do this for a while. I think like since the pandemic started and then schedulings and the things and here we are. Yes, exactly. I am, I will share with everybody to begin with why I really have wanted to have you on even in the first place. Um, Other than of course, I love and adore you so deeply, but also why I think your story is so important. And then also your unique perspective on artists and actors and what's possible and available to people. Um, You know, as many may, may not know, actually, I started blogging five years ago and I, I had interviewed you for a series I did called taking the leap. And, um, the reason why I was inspired to do that. And then also to have you back on the podcast is because Aida, the way that you have lived your life is literally a model for what I help people see more and more for themselves and the, and having you share your story and, for us to kind of have the experience of that through you is so helpful to others because when they can see themselves in you, even if they have a completely different career, have no interest in acting or the entertainment industry, it doesn't matter because we all, as we've kind of mentioned to each other before, we all go through the same themes. Right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And, you know, as you're saying that, as I'm listening to you saying that, first of all, thank you for those words. That's just so kind and so thoughtful for you to say that. And also I just kind of sit back and go, wow, you know, as you move through life, you don't always think about um, the impact, you know what I mean? That you're going to have on someone, you're just kind of going through the motions. So to hear you sort of reflect that back to me, I just take pause and I'm like, wow, if, if I can help people in some way that makes me super, it just makes me feel super fulfilled. Ah, that in and of itself is a lesson already. Thank you, Aida. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, because that is so true. We do, we, we 
constantly are setting, you know, goals and kind of goal posts for ourselves and just keep moving through. And of course, I think, you know, any client of yours who's going to hear this will absolutely feel like, you know, you make such a huge impact on their lives. But it is important to notice that even the people that you aren't directly working with, you are absolutely impacting. And that's, you know, wonderful to notice and appreciate. And so what a good start we're off on. (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously. And that's really what life is about, right? Connection and, you know, lift as you climb and, and affecting people and connecting with people. That's a big, I'm a very social creature. So for me, that's, I mean, that's one of the biggest compliments that I can, I can get. So thank you. You're so welcome. (laughs) I would love for us, I would love for us to start with you sharing a little bit about your, we will also just for anybody listening, who's hoping that they're going to get some nuggets because they are themselves artists and would like to get your unique perspective on all of that. We will launch into that too, but to begin with, you know, I would really love for you to share a little bit about your story um, and how you became um, an entrepreneurial manager yourself, you know, going out on your own, because it is a, it is a solid gold story. (laughs) So, oh my God. If you don't mind kind of starting at the beginning, share a little bit about, share a little bit about your roots and then, and, and share, you know, let's go there and, and I'll help kind of guide you along. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, born and raised in Los Angeles, you know, uh, parents, immigrants from Mexico. And so I think the entrepreneurial spirit was always there because I watched, you know, from a a very young age, watched my parents you know, uh, open stores and restaurants. We had a business on Olvera Street. Uh, We had a restaurant in Echo Park. And so I always knew from a very young age that I would do something that was mine. You know, I knew, I mean, as I had jobs, you know, you work, you know, you you go through high school and you get your jobs. And I also worked a lot in, in, um, I worked at the restaurant a little bit, and then I worked a lot at, uh, at the store on Olvera Street. So for me, that was just a big part of who I was. And then as I would think a little bit about the future and what I wanted to do, I always say I knew the sort of the what, but maybe not the how or the when. It was just the what was like, I'm going to be like my parents. I'll be owning something or starting something. That part was clear. The rest of it was like, you know, you got to like put the pieces together like a puzzle. Yeah. Can you tell me what do you... um when you say you knew that, what does that, what did that feel like? Huh, that's a good question. You know, the only thing I can think of is that it was just uh, an instinct. It was when I'd be like, for example, going back to my really, really young years and, you know, working in the, in the family business, it was just, if I was running the register, it was just a, I don't know if it was a thought bubble or a feeling that I just knew, or even if I was daydreaming, you know, which, you know, I think a lot of us creative people, even if we're behind the scenes, we're, we're dreamers, we're daydreamers, we're night dreamers. 
So that was what it was. It would be a little bit of sort of everything, a little daydream here, a little thought during the day. I'm like, you know, helping a customer. I also, we yeah, worked with people. So that was also something that I knew I wanted to do was work in and around people. That's awesome. So that really started to launch you. So now let's go into your professional life. Can we start? Can you, do you mind kind of giving us the timeline of, of your professional yeah. life? Oh my God, Amy God, I have to go so far back. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I've had every job possible, I think. Not every job, many jobs. Um, you know, I was a wardrobe stylist for many years. So I got to be on, on sets before that I worked. So from the family stuff, because it was retail, I worked in retail. So I worked selling clothing. I never waited tables. It was something I think I was both fascinated by and also terrified by. It's weird. Like selling things to people felt like something I could do, but actually waiting on people with food. I don't know what it was, but as a younger person, I'm like, huh, I don't know about that. Um, and so then I just, you know, working in clothing and then I just sort of transitioned into styling and worked on some music videos and commercials. And through that, I thought, oh, I'm going to, I love music because I love music and film and TV sort of equally. So but music really was my first love. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to work in music. I'm going to work in, at a record label. I'm going to do something in that space. And so, and that all happened through being on the video sets as a stylist. I was like, I don't want to carry racks of clothes through the Beverly center. <laughs> That's not fun for me. I actually want to do that, you know? So I'd see either like, you know, the video commissioners or uh, even the A&R people that would come. And I was like, that seems more by my vibe. And so then from there, I, uh, let me think. So then I started working. I worked for Queen Latifah for a little while in the nineties uh, as a, like a junior manager in her management company when she was doing film and television, like crossing, crossing over from the music side into film and TV. And I think that that sort of solidified that moment that that was definitive in that. Oh, okay management is what I want to do. This is, this is it. This is, I want to work with talent. And again, because she was a hybrid or she is a hybrid, you know, she does both film and, and, uh, and music and TV. Um, I just sort of was figuring out what that would be. And then I did get a job at a record label and that was a lot of fun. Um, loved being around artists. The thing was that when I worked at the label, my specific position and job wasn't creative. So that part wasn't so much fun, but being in that environment was wonderful. And, you know, you work at the label, so you go to shows and all the things. And then from there, I started thinking, I want to move into film and TV. I mean, I just started thinking, well, maybe it's soundtracks. I wasn't sure from there what it was, but I was, I kept getting pulled, uh, you know, kind of mentally and sort of emotionally into like, what is the next thing? And then um, I worked for Jennifer uh, Lopez for seven years. Um, and I was very fortunate to have a very good friend of mine who also worked for her at the same time. So I had a really good buddy there, Gina, that was with me in the office. And so we we were in different um, departments, but working in the same place in, in this dream job, um, also doing management. Um, at that point, that's when I started doing script development, reading scripts, doing coverage, all the things, you know, and then I just sort of transitioned from being a creative executive, director of development, and then vice president of film and TV, um, which was wonderful because you are exposed to writers and directors and talent. And, you know, you're, you're meeting people, you're looking at the projects that Jennifer would do, but you're also looking at the stuff that the production company would do. So it really, really gave me 
the training to be able to launch my own thing or training and also that sort of what's that thing you I think you call it a bubble it's like that that bubble feeling that you go okay this is it and then it just right the wisdom right that inner wisdom and then from there it was just deciding when I would leave and picking up on where you and I left off take the leap so that was sort of my journey and at that point was um through working uh, at Jennifer's production company, I knew I was going to start my own thing, um, production company and talent management. Wow. So if we rewind a little bit and kind of get reflective on your experience through the different transitions, even before Jennifer, right? From Queen Latifah to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like you were following deeper instincts yet again, that kind of and and you tell me if it felt different. I don't know if, you know, because I want to hear more about it. But what was your experience of that? Did you would you kind of get to a point where you were it felt like the role that you were in before you transitioned, the role that you were in were just was just starting to kind of lose lose its feeling of aliveness and excitement. And so you'd get curious about what was next or what like what was that like for you? I think it was a little bit of a few things. I think um, originally, like when I went from sort of transitioning from more music management stuff to working with Jennifer to kind of doing everything, right? So you're dealing with music management, but you're also dealing with film and TV. You're also dealing with development. You're kind of, which was incredible, thrown into all these different areas of the industry. Um, And I think what for me, it just goes back to my parents. I think it was like that little thing that I always had here going, you know, you're, you will leave at some point, you know, you will start your thing at some point when, because I didn't know the specifics of the, what I just knew the, what was, I will have my own thing. Right. So it was just that it was more about that little, you know, feeling of when am I going to do this? Now, the interesting thing is that happened in the shower and it happened sort of like naturally. Yeah. I was in the shower. It was right before a a birthday that I was going to have. And I just got out of the shower and I was like, okay, this is it. This is the year. And it was like that. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, how a lot, I think a lot of people probably are like planners and like, this is what it is. And I'm going to do it like that. No, that's where the creative in me is, is very, it's the instincts. It's just, I go with my instincts. I just knew this is the time. It had been seven years. Um, Seven is a special number for me. So yeah, I just knew it was a, something that happened, you know, and, and yeah. And then, and then that was it. (laughs) Well, it's important to kind of take a moment to pause about, about that for, you know, for a moment, because to your point, I think being a creative, there is a little bit more of an inclination to trust instincts. Mm-hmm. But I know anybody listening in the pod squad here knows what it feels like when the penny drops, whether mm-hmm. it be to leave a relationship, to join a relationship, to change careers, to right. But I think what happens more often than not for people is that they then negotiate with the penny dropping. You know, it's Uh, it's almost like they're afraid to know what they know. Right. And so, you know, so there might be, 
you know, what I'm sensing in in you is um, that entrepreneurial spirit that you, that is a bit just in your DNA also, not just, you know, know, it's both your nature nurture situation happening, but um, there's something to be said for how much you valued those instincts and really could see, because it was modeled for you by your parents, which is such a gift that you knew that you could trust it. Yeah. Does that feel right? That's completely correct. And it's funny because as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, did I, because I know I didn't set out with an execution and a plan. It was sort of like, here's the idea of what I want to do. And I just know that this is not a fit for me anymore. It's, It's time. And then I'll figure the rest of it out. Right. But I'm just sitting here thinking, I am sure there was a moment. In fact, I know there was a moment before that happened. Maybe it could have been the year before, could have been six months before. There was one moment where I remember getting that little bubble mm-hmm. and it was like, it was just in my head of like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm arriving. I'm getting to that place. And then I knew. So, and so, yeah, so this tracks because what, what happened then the shower is that moment that it's like, it's happening. Yeah. There's no turning back. there's no negotiating it is (laughs) and it's you know and everyone has that moment too where you know they either negotiate with it for quite a while and they start to get angry and resentful because they're going against themselves or you know the penny drops and on paper it looks like this move is potentially you know like crazy, you know, I'm just going to use the word that I know a lot of people use, even though I wouldn't necessarily use that word, but it looks like on paper, this is a crazy move, but I, everything in me knows it's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're just, as you, as you said, you're taking a leap. It is an absolute and total leap of faith into the possibility, but really it's, you're banking on yourself. I knew that from childhood. So it was sort of I mean, not to sound like preachy, but it was like sort of what was going to happen. It was going to happen that way. It was just the, the matter of circumstances. And then also me being ready, right? You have to be ready to make that commitment to say, okay, time to fly. Yeah. <laughs> I also really appreciate, I don't think we've actually shared, talked about that, what that piece of your, of the timeline before. I really appreciate that like a year before it was starting to knock, knock, knock on your door. Yeah. 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 I, the lucky thing was that it, it never, thankfully for me, because I know that this is not usually the case. It never got to that place that it can get to where you are just filled with an enormous amount of angst and, or an enormous amount of insecurity, right. About what you're about to do and the leap you're about to take. It was just sort of like fluttering there. Like, is this the time, you know, maybe a little bit more. And then it just kind of like, and then, you know, you go on with your work, but then it comes back and it's like right here, (laughs) right here, right in front of your face. Yes. But it's amazing. I have to tell you, Jesse was amazing. The feeling is an amazing feeling. Like I, I consider myself lucky because I know that there's so much scariness and fear, right? We, we talk about fear all the time and the things that can stop you, but that was there. I'm not going to say it wasn't, but it was overshadowed by all the, the brightness of the possibility of the dream, 
making that dream come true. Oh, that's awesome. I would love to hear your perspective on this because I had a very similar experience to you when I was leaving the entertainment industry myself. And well, I don't really feel like I've left it, but in the capacity <laughs> that I was in, in, um, uh, as an agent, but the, I had, you know, that I had that similar kind of where I could feel the shift was coming mm-hmm. and I did, it started to almost experience a feeling of oddly enough, I wasn't, it does manifest as insecurity for a lot of people. But for me, it was like, I started to get frustrated that I was still where I was because it didn't feel right to leave yet. But I also knew very strongly it was coming. Yes. And what I love about how you share your story is that there was a bit more freedom and curiosity and allowance for space for that to just live in you until it felt right to move. And I think it's available for everybody when we start to kind of get a sense of, it's almost like, it's almost like spiritual surgery. It's like you can feel things are changing inside of you, but you don't, or you aren't your mind and, and everything in life hasn't kind of caught up with what's changing inside. Yep. Totally. So what do you, th- what I mean, do you think about that? What, what, what could you say to people who, who have that experience? I think it's, it really is sometimes as simple as when you know, you know, you know, because I am someone who had the little bubble, but didn't act on that bubble at that time. Because for me, it wasn't time. It wasn't time for me to go. There was the mental part that had the curiosity of it, but that other part you know, my, my other, the other part of me was like, ah, because like I said, it was like a, a thought that comes in and then the thought just kind of moves away. And then you just, and you know, we're like, you know, hamsters on the wheel, we're just going. So it's very easy for that thought to come in and then bye-bye. But then when it comes, I, I, I would say that you have to listen to it, you know, and look, it, it is very scary because you are, going, you're jumping into a situation. I mean, if we can just talk about, you know, regular paychecks and all the things that you need to, to be okay in this world. Um, not everyone can just jump like that. You know, it's, it's not possible. So there is a timing aspect that has to go along with the desire to make that leap. I think there are a couple boxes that have to be checked. You can't just be in, 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 I, I think just sort of in dreamland. I say for me, it was very dreamy because I had already been feeling it as a child that this is what was going to happen. So, so for me, it wasn't like just waking up one day and going, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) it was in my blood. It was there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And there's something to be said for, I talk a lot about on the podcast, how our wisdom, that internal GPS system, and I know I've shared this with you in different ways too, but um, it is 100% tailor-made for us and everything that's on our plate. So when it comes to, when you start to get the whispers, I think that is when people start to go, just like you're saying, I got to do it. I got to go. I've got to do, you know, and, but that's filled with pressure and angst and it's not, it's like the puzzle piece hasn't clicked yet. And so 
if people can give themselves permission to kind of follow the nudges, follow the whispers, let it bu- percolate, you know, see it as if like, Ooh, this is exciting. I'm something starting to shift that at the time that the penny drops, that's when stuff starts to unfold. Not to say that it's going to be easy, but there's a bit more ease to the transition because now you're honoring when spiritually on a deeper level, things are lining up in a way that are bigger than you can even imagine. Does that feel like it makes sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I think a lot of it also has to do with I'm surrounded by a lot of really wonderful and supportive girlfriends, friends. I have a community that, you know, is there for me and shows up for me. And so I feel very blessed and very grateful to have that. I have parents. Well, my dad's no longer with us, but a family who really supports and always supported me. And I, I, I mean, that's why I say I, I am one of the lucky ones because not everyone has that. So of course it, 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 um, it makes things less rocky when you make that choice to make that leap, when you've got arms of people literally ready to catch you at any moment, you know, because yeah, you're, you're, you're flying at that point. And look, the, the truth is, is that, yes, of course there's people that will say, um, and, and from the best intention, it's like, oh, are you sure? Oh my God, like you're going to walk away from this or you're going to walk away. From- I'm sure you heard it when you were, what are you doing? And, and there's that fine line of support your people, support your friends, um, support your family members as, as they're making these decisions. Um, and, and try not to let your own fear be mirrored to them in their journey which is a whole separate thing timing wise and everything else for that person. Cause I think that that's what tends to happen is we come from our own experiences, right? So if someone's coming to you or I just and going, Hey, you know, we're, I'm thinking about doing this and thinking about doing that. It's, it's your, your instinct to go, Ooh, sometimes it's like, Oh, so I say, let's flip that if we can and try to as best we can empower those moves that, our friends and family are going to make that are, you know, risky. I love that. And I, and I've heard you say that before that, and I've always deeply appreciated it. And I think it's also a big reason why you are a fantastic partner to your clients, but Mm -hmm. something I really appreciate, you know, I remember, um, uh, Sarah Blakely who started Spanx, she Uh about, you know, that when you have a a brand new idea and you are, whether it be an invention or a career move or a relationship move or whatever, it's almost like you have a little baby chick in your hands, you know, and you've got to know who you're with when you're sharing it. Cause you don't want that little baby chick to get crushed. Right. Because it's so brand Uh new. It is so, you know, it also makes me think of Brene Brown talking to her kids about finding friends. And she said, you don't, she said, you don't want any candle blower outers. And it was kind of same idea of like, when you have a little, little light, you've got a little light in your hands and you want friends in your life who are, when the wind starts blowing, which is life getting hard, they're going to come around that light and protect it from blowing out. Right. So those are the types of people you want. And then the people you don't want in your life are the ones that come around and literally walk up to your light and blow it out and blow it out. Yeah. The light dimmers, the light or, dimmers. 
Or the energy vampires. (laughs) So it's really starting to, (laughs) we're running with these metaphors. (laughs) I know. We're like, oh, we're just, we've gone off the rails now. (laughs) Baby chicks, vampires, vampires, all the things. Oh my gosh. But it is so good for people to hear too, though, because it's, it's something that is really for anybody out there who might be hearing your experience and go, Oh, I don't feel like I have a community around me in that kind of way. You can absolutely build that for yourself. Yeah. You can start collecting people around you that when you get a sense of support or comfort or security, when you're around them, start leaning into those relationships, give back to them so that they start giving to you. And you can build that for yourself, no matter what, era you're in in your life I would like I think we would say and I also think another thing that I'm you know that is specific to to me is that I was a I'm a born and raised LA gal right so my family's here my friends are here my community's here I didn't do what a lot of my clients do which is why I respect them so much that they literally will walk away from what is safe, what is known families to come here and pursue a dream. That is a whole different experience than my experience. And we come together in this wild interest industry to find opportunities. Um, and yeah. And, and I think, you know, for, when you look at that perspective, it's like you, anyone, you know, clients of mine, anybody, you, when you move somewhere, you have to create your community right? You know, you're a new person in this new town, new city, new country. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it can be very, you know, tricky. Um, and the key is, I think going back to instincts as you're creating people, I think we know, especially as we get older, the kinds of people that are good for us, the kinds of, you know, you know, the, I don't know what that saying is, but they talk about like different kinds of girlfriends and you have different kinds of girlfriends for different things. You're lucky if you have a couple girlfriends that you can go to all of them for everything. Um, and so I always think about, you know, when people move here, it's like you have to find those people, whoever those people are that are going to support you and that you can go to for all the different things you may need. Um, and it's not easy. I mean, L.A. is, is I think, is can be a social town, but it can also be a very lonely place because, you know, we're we're isolated in that you get in a car here. You know, there's not a you know, you're not getting on public transport too much, you know, and I mean, those of us that are lucky to own cars and, and be mobile that way, you're, you're, you're in your place. So, you know, you're in your, your house or your apartment and, um, and it can be very sort of insulated that way. You're not, and especially now with the pandemic, we're (laughs) we're even more, I mean, this is how we're talking via Zoom. So yeah, Yeah. which I don't love. Yeah. 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 We're evolving slowly, but surely. (laughs) I'm not out of it. Exactly. Um, so I would love to kind of transition to your life now as a manager and, and start kind of looking at your unique perspective as a manager and being in the entertainment industry in this way. Um, first, what is your, what is your intention as a rep? Oh, um, wow. Well, I think the first thing would be to obviously 
work with, I was going to say find, but work with incredible human beings, because as I, as I mentioned before, it's the artist, but it's the human being behind the artist, right? I'm having lunches and dinners and many of them know my family and I know their families and their spouses and their children. So for me, it's, it's working with people who are incredibly talented and are also good human beings. And then from there, it's what is specific to that person? What kinds of opportunities are you looking for? You know, making sure that we're on the same page and going out into the world as a team and, and, and getting those opportunities. Um, but it really starts with being able to click with the person, you know, the actor, the actress that, that you, you know, you, you admire, you've seen a reel, you've seen a self tape, you've seen something, you've seen a performance in something and you're drawn to it. And then you meet the person and it's like, wow, like you're just wonderful. And then there's a click. There's just that magic that happens. And, you know, you become like a, a little family. You know, I think we've also talked a little bit about business is business and personal is personal. But for me, my business is very personal. I I built this company, you know, of course, like for me, it, it, it matters that um, I'm able to have conversations that go beyond, you know, an audition or an opportunity. It's like every now and then something will come up and, you know, you jump on a call and, you know, and, and, and you get through whatever life throws at you, you know? And so that's why to me, it really starts with the human being. That's what matters the most to me is working with really wonderful, great people who are also supremely talented. Yeah. And it's, it's really significant. I think what you're saying, well, for many different reasons, but because this partnership really is a partnership, this isn't you, you know, that's also what, and I would love for you to kind of say more about this, but you being a manager versus an agent, and I'm not saying that agents aren't a partner with their clients, but why don't you share a little bit yeah. Why don't you share a little bit about what the difference is? Let's go kind of back to basics for a second. What's the difference between manager yeah. and agent? So I look at the manager as sort of the captain of the ship. It's usually most times the person on your team, you know, if you have several people, you know, publicist, lawyer, agent manager, that's usually talking to everybody, right? Um, or the person that tends to usually come first. You know, sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes the, for whatever reason, the actor gets an agent first and then a manager later. And that's completely fine too. Um, But many times um, the manager will be the person that's sort of communicating with everyone. The other groups don't always communicate with anyone else, except usually just the the actor. Um, And, and really you're the, I, I see the manager's role as the person who's always looking ahead and thinking about the overall journey um, for that specific, you know, talent's career is where are we headed? What are we interested in? What what move what moves us? What you know what gives us like that 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 excitement about what we do? And the agents um, are an integral piece of this conversation. They're there to supply the opportunities, just auditions, self-tapes and all that. 
I don't like to just say that just that because so many of them are so much more. But I think the reason why it's sort of split that way is because their volume, you know, when you've got 500 clients or 150 clients, you can't be, you know, a manager. You can't be a more day-to-day person. So for me, that has always been sort of the the big, big difference is that um, they agents are wonderful and and vital and extremely important piece of this this business that is about just the auditions. And the manager is there for sort of all of it, uh, auditions, but also really advice. You know, it's it's the person who is literally guiding you through your career. And that's something that I take, you know, really, really seriously. I don't take myself seriously. <laughs> I like to have fun and all the things, but the work I'm, you know, very, you know, sharky, like that to me is, you know, and, and each one is so different, you know, cause what might be right for one, you know, one, one actor is not the right thing for this other person, you know, it, whether it's a skill set thing or whether it's a desire, you know, some people are just more drawn to this kind of thing. Some people are more drawn to that kind of thing. So I think that's really the, the kind of like the, the, the split between the agents and the managers. A lot of it has to do with volume. Yes. I love, it's almost like I sent you a spiritual voicemail because my next question was going to be, <laughs> I would love for you to share. Does that, does it look to you like you, like, um, you know, as we talk about wisdom and true self and that quiet voice inside, that is, yes, constantly guiding us, but it's always showing us, it's it's evolving and growing right along with us. And so mm-hmm. our desires and needs change. So, yeah. you know, if, you know, a client that you've signed 10 years ago came to you with one set of ideas around who they think they want to be or projects they want to be a part of today, 10 years later might be very different. So is that something that you kind of make sure you're checking in with and that kind of thing? Yeah. And I I think it's, that's a, that's such a great question thought because we grow together. So it's not just growing and like I had one credit and now I have 10. No, you're growing as human beings. And so because this relationship can be many times. And again, by the way, there's a lot of managers that are more like agents. They have 150 clients. So there's a little bit of everything out there. Um, but I, I feel that you're growing with these, you know, with, with your clients, with these incredible artists and human beings. So hopefully you're staying kind of in tune. And yeah, you know, a few years in, it, there might be a, a desire to want to do something a little different you know, or, or maybe me be open to things that maybe weren't so interesting before, you know, like maybe haven't done a lot of comedy might be interested in some comedy now, you know, who knows? And, and I think you have to be sort of open for all of that. Um, but I, I, what I tend to notice with a lot of the people that I work with is that there really seems to be a common thread that it's just about good work. I just want to work you know, it all starts with the script, as we know. So, and we are in the middle of a strike right now. <laughs> so, we are all crossing our fingers that the writers get what they deserve because this is a very important time right now. And, you know, well, without getting too, you know, in, into that. But anyway, so speaking of, about the writing, is that it starts with the script. And then, you know, from there, 
you know, that's what we're first looking at is the sides and the scenes. And are we connecting to the character? That's really the common thing that we all have is that we want to find the best characters to portray. And what can I bring to this character? And, and that's also such a, the wonderful thing I think about acting too, is that there's so many different ways that performance can be done. Um, and sometimes there could be somebody that does it in a completely different way and is still phenomenal. And that's the beauty is that, you know, there's a few ways to do it. Um, and so for me, that the, the exciting thing is also a little, it's funny, the thing that, that you think or that we think can be very scary, which is that unknown, is also the, the same thing that drives me. So I always say like, oh, I can't wait to see what what's what's next. Like what's, what's going to be that next big booking or what's going to be that next big thing? Um, because we all know it's coming, right? It's just a question of who and what project and what airplane and where are they going? <laughs> Where's it happening? Um, so, yeah, I don't even know if I answered your question, but you did. There's something, there's something to be, you did at the beginning. That was great. But I love, I love where you ended because there's something to be said for, there's a bit of a theme with the people that I've had on as interviews recently, you being one of them. Um, there's a bit of a theme about getting comfortable, not even getting, it's not even that you've had to get there. It's that by nature, there is this comfortability, almost a sense of safety in the unknown. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that this is kind of becoming a, has just, just naturally been a bit of a theme in, in these interviews where, yeah. because it's so it's always paint. The picture is always painted is that it's terrifying. And what if it all goes to hell in a handbasket? Whereas yeah. what's interesting, you, um, my last interview, Anna Klutz really find more, more safety and security, not to say that you don't have times where you feel insecure or uncomfortable because you're human, but yeah. in a kind of in a bigger picture, there, yeah. there is a sense of comfort in the unknown because you have seen time and time again of what that experience brings you. Yeah. That yeah. there's, yeah. So you go. Yeah. No, no. And I was going to say, and also what I've learned, especially through the pandemic was that panic was so not helpful for me, for me personally, that that anxiety, that fear, and we were all in it, you know, in, in obviously in very different ways. Um, but just speaking to the the industry and what was going to happen and, and when would jobs come back, that fear and anxiety was so big um, that once you kind of come out of that, I, I really learned, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to feel like that. That that doesn't feel good. That That makes me like physically sick. Um, so I try to, I think the best word is trust. And I think the word trust is so important because it's the trusting that things will come back. We will get back to work. Things, you know, things are going to start to fall into place. And then also the trust that you have with your clients and my clients with me, I trust them. They trust me. They're reflections of me. I'm a reflection of them. And I think that's a big part of it. And so maybe in some way it can become a little less scary when you go through something big because the most important piece which is the the relationship that you have with your manager is hopefully one where you trust each other so as these 
these things come at you, you can walk through them together and and be okay. And I think that's a very, very big part of of this whole piece for me. I have a strong instinct that there might be some people listening to this who are not represented by you that are going to be feeling a little bit I think they might be drooling at the mouth a little bit about wanting this type of relationship. Are you totally unique in the way that you, cause I don't know that many acting managers. Um, uh, and you know, I promise you, this is me not trying to gas you up, even though I will take every opportunity I can to, cause I think you're fantastic, but is, is the way that you relate to your clients and have this type of partnership is it really unique, like, are, you know, or, or are there others out there that partner with their clients in this way? Oh, I think, I think there's a lot of us, to be honest, because I think that the industry really needs that. So I do believe that there's a lot of us. I don't know that that's common. So we're out there. I just think we have to find each other. You know what I mean? It's like any relationship, right? You just have to find each other. So I think we're there. But I also think at the same time, there is a volume dynamic, right? So even if there's a great, let's just let's just use agents as an example. It's really difficult to, to have that kind of connection when you've got to service so many people. It's impossible. It, I mean, if just logically, it doesn't make sense. So I think, you know, what I always say, because I'll, you know, if I if I give advice or if actors come to me and oh my, you know, this person doesn't get back to me or that person doesn't get back to me, and I always I always go back and say, okay, have you checked in? You know, are you um, updating your materials? Whatever it is, right? The the things that are on the actor to do, um, and then from there, if you're if you're feeling like you've been ghosted. <laughs> Because I I have heard these horror stories, unfortunately, where reps just stop calling people and it's like, wow, but it happens. Um, But again, I think it goes back to this dynamic of volume. So it's 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 a it's a tricky thing. I, I think it's also a question of fit. Right. Not every person is for every person. So for me, I I want to find my like minded group and and, you know, write off into the sunset together, you know, booking all the jobs. So, <laughs> um, but I guess my, my, my answer would be that I believe that there are a lot more people. I, and I know there are, because I, I know I'm friendly with agents and I'm friendly. I know other managers they're out there. I just think that it's not, um, I don't want to say not the norm, but I don't think that there's a ton, you know, I think that it's more of like, all right, let's just, it's like a machine. You're just kind of going. So then it's like, where, you know, you, we can point the fingers at like, whose fault is that? But I just think the industry is so big. It's so large. There's so many moving pieces to this. And so what I had always set myself out to do was to be the kind of person that want would always be connected because that, that is what really, you know, um, motivates me and excites me is to feel that that connection that's what works for me but you know there might be other people that's like they just kind of like more to just kind of keep it moving you know it's like just send appointments and then you know talk to you when you book (laughs) yes 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 yeah how would this is kind of more of a, a straightforward practical question how would somebody be 
is there a how? <laughs> I don't know if there is a if there are stepping stones to this, but if there is somebody out there who does desire a manager, whether they have zero representation or just an agent, you know, maybe they have just a commercial de- agent and they desire going, you know, growing their, their, their impact and their projects. Um, How does one find a manager to begin with? Is that even, are there steps to that? Is there, you know, that is such a great question. There's so many different ways to find reps, Um, by the way, agent or manager. I mean, you can send an, an email you know, that's usually the first way is like, you know, the, the main way is you're sending an email, cold email, here's my materials, you know, would you look, please review, take a look, you know, if I fit, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's, there's no one way. It's, it's sort of like a friend of a friend, another actor friend, another, per- I mean, I, I, I feel like it's, it's really a lot of that too. So it's, you can email somebody, you can go on IMDb pro, you can talk to your friends, you can ask for a referral. I mean, there's different ways to go about it. There there isn't one way. Um, What I would suggest, what tends to happen a lot um, is that there's these emails that go out. Right. And, and sometimes I'll get them and, and you'll see, it'll say like undisclosed recipients. And you're like, Oh my God, this person just sent a blast to probably like 300 people (laughs) that I would say probably going to get deleted. (laughs) That's not going to get a response. And I also think that there's a way to communicate, you know, um, that the way that you write the email, um, that the things that you say about yourself, uh, that will grab people's attention. I mean, I have signed people through people that have contacted me via via email based on obviously the material that was sent, but also in the way that they communicated, which was, which doesn't feel like pressury, you know, where you feel like, Oh my God. Cause you could, you could get like 10 of these in a day uh, or more. I mean, it just, that's just the nature of the business. There's so much talent out there. So I think the key, like my advice would be like, as you're approaching someone, whoever it is, you know, a, um, a publicist, a manager, a lawyer, an agent is just, you know, less is more, you know, just keep it like as simple as possible. Um, probably also not a good idea to send emails at like one in the morning. <laughs> like sometimes I'll wake up and I'll see that somebody sent like a after pitch email at like two and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> what if my phone was on? <laughs> that would have been great. You know, what's so funny about you saying this, and I feel so vindicated is okay. that I, I will sometimes be, be catching up on emails very late, yeah. right? Midnight. Yeah. And I will get, and I will schedule send them for eight in the morning. Yeah. And Mike, my husband has always scratched his head as that. Cause he goes, you know, you're the only person on this planet that checks a timestamp. And I, you just now proved to me, I think it's my agent background. Yes. It's that we are just very aware of these things. Yeah. It's also with WhatsApp, you know, because I have a lot of international talent that are all over the world. So, you know, I just, they just try to be a little mindful when you send these messages, because sometimes you don't silence your phone, you know, and you could be in the middle of, I don't know, being with your family, with your kids, whatever. And then boop, 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 all this is going on. It's like, ah, 
it can be a little nerve wracking. So I, I do think that the time that you send an email like that, when you're trying to, you know, get a rep's attention, I, I do think, you know, it would be nice to do that between Monday through Friday work hours. I mean, I just think that that's, that's like the polite way to do it. Yeah. And it seems very <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, law, Jesse. There'll be, be emails sometimes that'll come like Sunday, two a.m., and I'm like, wow, <laughs> this person wanted to get that email out. <laughs> they just couldn't wait till Monday morning had to get that email out at you know late Sunday night. <laughs> oh God, I love this idea. So wrong. <laughs> oh God. I would love for you to share what is a glaring theme that you see in uh, I'm kind of now shifting more to like your clients and this isn't anything specifically personal to any of your clients, but you know, you've been in the industry for so long, you can kind of feel into kind of more of a a theme. Um, What is a theme for you that you see in actors that gets in their way? Ooh, um, you know, I think it's the, it's the same thing that gets in all of our way where we get in our head, right? So we start to second guess, like, we'll just say with actors specifically, you start to second guess your choices. I find myself many times telling people, you know, like, for example, this, I think this is a good example. They, you can send three takes of something because they're not sure. And that's great because now I can look at something and then I can, you know, they're like, you choose, you know, whichever one fits better or whatever. And, you know, we don't like to bombard casting with a bajillion takes of, of, you know, one, especially if there's three scenes in an audition. Um, but I, I feel like you, it's, it's such a wonderful thing when as an actor, you can get to that place where you feel that confidence of not, second guessing your choices, right. Of whatever you're going to do in a scene. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll get these, you know, these wonderful self tapes. And sometimes someone might say like, Oh, I don't, I just don't know if it's good enough or, or, and I'm like, it's always good enough. Like you are good enough. You know what I mean? And here's the thing. If it's off a little bit, they'll come back to us. If they see something in you, they mean in casting that they think, oh, you know what? They could be right for that part. They will come back to us and say, hey, Aida, can we have them retape with these notes? It'll happen. So as long as you are prepared and ready, I think then what you have to do is also release that, right? Because you don't want to be too prepared and too ready. So it's like that fine line. So I would say the thing that gets in the way is what gets in the way of all of us is you start to get very in your heady and now you're doing take after take after take. And as we know, or maybe we don't know, but what I've noticed is usually the first or second take usually tend to be the best takes. Because what starts to happen is the more you do it, you start to grind down on yourself and again, get more in your head. So I would just say, trust your acting instinct magic because it's there for a reason. It's that little thing that we have in us that that is the reason why we're here to do what we're doing. And, and, you know, and, and also if I tell you like, Oh no, you don't have to tape again. Like, it's good. It's good. Trust me. When I tell you that, you know, I will, I will always, I always want my talent 
to look great and to deliver the best tape. And if we have to retape, then we retape. You know, if we get notes, we get notes and, and that's fine. That's all part of the process. But I think it's, we start to get, I think you use this word a lot, heady. We start to get very in our heads and start to second guess our, our instincts. Um, so I would say that from an acting perspective is that the more you you start doing it over and over again, and now starts to lose that, that thing that you probably nailed in take one or take two. <laughs> yes. It kind of makes me think of, you know, um, there is this natural creative energy and potential that we see in nature all the time, right? This, this energy that is moving through an acorn to have it grow into an oak tree. The only difference between that acorn to oak tree from us is that it doesn't have a mind to stop and think, how am I doing? Right. Right. And so that's literally the only difference. That same creative energy and potential is moving through us. So when you're sparked and you are in that scene or, you know, doing that self tape, the only thing that is stopping you from, from, from having this kind of beautiful interpretation of, you know, however you're taking in that character, the only thing that is stopping you from shining and standing out from the crowd is when you get in the way with your mind and shoved that creative potential down and it dims it kind of like what you're saying. So it's like, even if what I'm hearing from you is in take after take one and take two, if you are second guessing yourself, it's almost worth it just to send those first two takes to your reps and see if, you know, cause they might go, one of these is going to be what I want to send. This is great. Cause like you said, we can just get notes on it because the spark is there. Yeah. And I think, you know, we don't always have time to, you know, do as many takes as we want or whatever, whatever the circumstances are, if, if someone's traveling, et cetera. But I think the key here is just to trust yourself, trust your reps and trust the process. That's what I would say are the, the, the nuggets, because if you have those three things, then you're going to be okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, this hour flew by. It's been an hour. (laughs) (laughs) It's been an hour, Jesse Boots. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So Aida. At the end of every podcast, I ask my guests the same question. So whatever comes to you, that's, that's trust your instincts, girl, to, to use your word. It doesn't matter. You can interpret this however you would like. Okay. There's no wrong answer. Aida Bernal of Spellbound Entertainment. What moves you? Oh my goodness. So many things. So many things. Um, gosh. Okay. So not to overthink it. The first thing is connection and being with people. What, what moves me is I love a get together. I love a girl's get together. I love, you know, a meal, you know, and, and being able to just catch up. Those are the things that, that drive me that, that connection. I mean, zoom is fine, but, but, but I love seeing my peeps. That for me is, is really what, what moves me. 
And of course, music will always move me. That's the, that's, you know, music, film and TV. Those are the, the things that have always been a big driving force in my life and have been a very big part of my career. So, yeah. That's beautiful. I think it's so important to recognize recognize these parts of ourselves so that way we can put more of it in our lives. You know, I think that's, that's important for me to share to everybody who's listening that when you ask yourself that question, what moves you oftentimes something will come to mind that you actually don't implement in your life much. Yeah, totally. And so it's important to pay attention. And I would like to add nineties hip hop. Yes. Yes. Queen. And I say that because I'm getting ready to, you know, celebrate my birthday and that's a big piece of it. So it's very in my, you know, stylist of the nineties, Aida is like creeping back. So I'm like, (laughs) where are my shell toes? Yeah. (laughs) Where's my tracks? Yes, Um, exactly. Yeah. That is, that is also, that is music really moves me and drives me and all types of music. But that right now is, is, is where I'm, I'm, I'm in the nineties, like my nineties vibes, all of it, hip hop, of course, but just all the nineties stuff um, and eighties as well. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Aida, for coming on the podcast. It has been an absolute delight as every conversation is that I ever have with you ever, whenever we run into each other, whether it be an event or a birthday or a gathering random or not, it always lights me up to see you. So thank you for sharing that with everybody who tunes in. Oh, thank you, Jesse, for having me. This was really, really lovely. And and I really hope that there's a little nugget in there that someone can walk away with that, that helps them. And, you know, we're all works in progress. So for me, I'm just, you know, still learning and, and, um, and, and growing. So yeah, this has been great. Thank you. Awesome. You're so welcome. I'll see (laughs) you again. See you soon, my friend. Okay. Thank you so much, Aida. See you soon. Bye. Have a good one. Ciao, Jess. Bye. Thank you for listening to What Moves You with Jesse. Let's stay connected. You can find more ideas and strategies on being human on my Instagram at What Moves You with Jesse. Sign up for my newsletter or learn more about working with me at What Moves You with Jesse.com. And please rate and review the show and let us know what you think and what resonated. I read every single review. They mean so much to me. You can also call in on our hotline with your thoughts on what resonated there too. It is always live at 818-646-JESS. That's 818-646-JESS. What Moves You with Jesse is produced by Mike McGraw and Tinker City Music. Now, let's take a deep breath and give ourselves permission to live in this moment for what truly moves you.